welcome back to another edition of Hipster Baseball Podcast. HBP, number 99, Aaron Judge fans. I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we look at the future of the Philadelphia Phillies, and special guest Carlos Colazzo, writer and podcaster for Baseball America, joins us to talk about prospects. But first, we always have to ease into the podcast with a drink, and today's delicious beer is called Her Majesty's Pleasure, which is an English brown ale from a good American local brewery called Arcane Aleworks in Largo, Florida. I love that name, Her Majesty's Pleasure. It obviously, it immediately conjures up, at least for me, Sean Connery, James Bond, very 1960s. I think there was a James Bond movie by the name of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, but I don't even think it was Sean Connery. It was that guy, George something, who played James Bond for one time, and then he's like, I quit. This sucks. (laughs) You know what also sucks? Philadelphia Phillies right fielder Brace. Brace. (laughs) Her Majesty is already hitting me with his delicious English brown ale. What sucks is that the Philadelphia Phillies right fielder Bryce Harper he, well, I think like a week or two ago, he just got Tommy John surgery on his elbow to repair a torn UCL in his right elbow. I was thinking the dude was playing throughout the whole playoffs and he excelled with a torn UCL in his right elbow. So uh, cheers to him. I, he's, he's a badass. He, a lot of people hate on Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, <laughs> but uh, he's a badass. And according to the medical reports coming out of from the Philadelphia Phillies medical staff, he's probably going to come back in 2023 around the All-Star game. So, I don't know, June, July. But what I like about it is, I like the, the only thing I like about that is that Bryce Harper potentially, potentially could play for the Clearwater Threshers, which is Clearwater is just, I don't know, like 10 minutes away from Largo, Florida, where this delicious Arcane Ale Works is. They, the Threshers are the high A of the Philadelphia Phillies in Florida. But so if you're a Phillies fan or even if you're a baseball fan living in the Tampa Bay area, you might be able to see Bryce Harper for like 10 bucks, maybe even $5 as he gets back into baseball. He's getting his swing, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, if you're a Phillies fan in Reading, Pennsylvania, he'll probably play for the Reading Philly Fighting Phils. He might. He's. Probably definitely will play for the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, which is the AAA team for the for the Philadelphia Phillies. And we talked about the Threshers back in episode 43, because obviously the Phillies are their are the parent club, and a lot of Phillies fans and all, and even fans of the other teams in the National League East are asking who are the Phillies going to sign because they have some holes. Who are they going to are the Phillies going to win the National League East division next year? Are they going to be able to go back to the World Series next year? I don't know. That's all up to Dave Dombrowski and the owners of the Philadelphia Phillies. But for the future, they might have some kids coming along, not to help next year, but maybe by the middle to late, by, by the middle of the decade, they have some They have some youngster by the name of, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it, an infielder by the name of Nikau Puaka Grego. Nika Puaka Grego. Nika Paca Grego. See, if you say it quick, you actually sound like you know what you're talking about. This guy's Mr. Nikau is actually from New Zealand, which is insane. 
I've never, I didn't even know New Zealand played baseball, but awesome to them. And then to have some a young 17-year-old kid come out and be signed by the Philadelphia Phillies, he might be something. I also like that the Phillies have this youngster, another 17-year-old kid by the name of Arun Escobar. You don't know who he is unless you're a hardcore Philadelphia Phillies minor league fan. But you know who his cousin is. Arun Escobar's cousin is Atlanta Braves right fielder Ronald Acuna Jr. And so you know the Phillies signed Arun Escobar based off of his bloodlines. So we'll see if he actually comes out to be anywhere near as good as Ronald Acuna Jr. That's going to be exciting. I'm definitely going to be looking out for this dude, Arun Escobar, the next time I go see the Clearwater Threshers. (laughs) And lastly, the last guy I wanted to bring up for the Phillies that could help them in three or four years, uh, an outfielder by the name of Justin Crawford. Speaking of bloodlines, Justin Crawford's dad is Carl Crawford. And Justin is 18 years old. He was drafted in the first round back in this year. Back When was the Major League Baseball draft? In July, I think it was. So we'll see if he can actually follow in his footsteps and become a big-time Major League Baseball player uh, like Carl Crawford. Cheers to the Phillies. Cheers to the healing process of Bryce Harper. And cheers to the holiday season. That you, I have always said that if you're able to live in the United States... The best time to live in the U.S. is in the fall from October until December because here in the U.S. you'll have – you can look forward to all October to Halloween. You have your Halloween parties. If you have a niece, if you have grandkids, if you have kids, if you have friends as kids, you go out and you trick-or-treat. You go out to Halloween parties. I already said that. And then you turn around from Halloween and then the whole month is Thanksgiving. Traveling to grandma's house, traveling to your parents' house. Maybe family and friends are have, going to your house. Maybe you're having a Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving, done. By the way, my favorite holiday. And then we go into December, the whole month, Christmas. Versus if you live, for example, in Europe, from the end of August, which is the end of vacation season, all the way to December, you're only doing Christmas. Christmas, Christmas. Please remember, reserve your Christmas roast. Reserve this. It's like, okay, I get it. You guys only have Christmas in the fall. That sucks. But you know what doesn't suck? This week's show sponsor, Mervyn's. I just love the smell of fresh pine. Christmas time always seems to be filled with such wonderful fragrances. And this week, Mervyn's has an extra gift for everyone who buys $10 worth of fragrances. You'll find many different fragrances. Everything from the subtle to the romantic and exotic. I hope some people in my family remember my favorite fragrance. You'll find lots of great gift ideas at Mervyn's today. That's great. Today's the weekend. Go out, enjoy a walk. If you're by a beach, if you're by the slopes, or if you're just at home, rest. I don't know. And then maybe go online or go to Mervyn's. (laughs) But you know, speaking of the Phillies, speaking of those prospects, our next guest knows all about baseball prospects. This week's special guest is Carlos Calazzo, writer and podcaster at Baseball America. Carlos, welcome to HBP. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a wonderful to have you on here. I've been following you for a while, in a good way, <laughs> where I know you've been writing for Baseball America. You've, you were on podcasts, and I just I think your work is fantastic. I've read a lot of your work in, in a lot of different places, so I'm happy to have you on. And as a baseball fan, one of the things that I was like, I really want to ask Carlos is like your job is to watch baseball, but then specifically the subgenre of that is youngsters, up and coming youngsters. As a fan, 
how do you help us watch the game better? Because if we watch Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, we're like, wow, that guy's good. But when you're looking at a 17-year-old prospect from the Dominican Republic, or even if you're not that deep into your favorite team and you watch a a young rookie coming up in August, how do we know if this guy's going to be good, whether they're a pitcher or a batter? So for the average fan, how can we pick up on some of those traits? Yeah, I guess that's the the million dollar question. You know, it's an entire industry where teams are trying to answer exactly that. Find out who who is the 17 year old or the 15 year old in some international cases who is in six, seven, five years from now going to be a star and help that big league team. It's it's definitely challenging. It is different from the NFL or the NBA where the prospects who are coming into the league aren't going to have an impact on that that big league level team immediately. So you have to do a lot more projecting on on bodies, on how skill sets will develop. I think the the difference in competition from even the best college baseball conference, which most people would point to the SEC um, and, and Major League Baseball compared to the difference in uh, SEC football and the NFL, the, the gap on the baseball side, in my mind, and, and I think to most people is significantly larger uh, on the baseball side. So it's, it's definitely tricky. I think in terms of what I'm doing at baseball America, I'm kind of trying to just continue the the legacy of what baseball America has really been doing since the eighties, which is covering prospects. And we started doing this because there just wasn't a lot of coverage on minor league players uh, and, and kind of the player development pipeline. Um, and obviously today there is a ton of coverage on prospects. People really get into the minor league systems. They want to see the next big thing. Uh, and for us, it's honestly kept getting younger and younger previously or, or when I started in 2017, 2018 at Baseball America, we were very much focused on the current year's draft class. Uh, at this point, we're looking ahead to not only the 2023 draft that's going to happen next year, but we're also starting to get looks at 2024 prospects and 2025 prospects. So people are constantly wanting to know who the next big thing is. They want to know who's who's coming up in their system. They're just really interested, whether it's from a fantasy perspective or they're just massive fans of their team. Everyone is trying to do that. And so for me, I think the best way to give readers information on those players and to give the best rankings and lists is to talk to scouts because I'm not a scout while I go to a lot of these events and, and try to evaluate. And I've certainly gotten better at picking up on certain things or watching players with a critical eye rather than just being a fan of the sport. I, I do think that the scouts just offer a different level of insight. And if I can use whatever skills I have as a reporter, as a writer, uh, as a podcaster to kind of translate that information to the the reader or the listener. I think that's maybe the most beneficial way to add some more insight into the game. Obviously, when we hear from a, from our favorite team of, oh, the so-and-so is being, uh, being sent up from high A to double A or double A to triple A, so these players are advancing. I've seen a fair share of single A baseball, mostly like in Florida, and I've seen some, I've started, and frankly, I'm kind of over it. It's, it's like the quality is a little too low. I've, I've started now watching a couple of double A games. I've saw, I've, I've went to go see the Bowie Bay Sox in Maryland, which is part of the Baltimore Orioles organization. And also the uh, Myrtle, uh, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, which are from the Chicago. No, they're from the, yeah, Chicago Cubs. So it's a little bit higher as if we, I mean, you know, you diehard fan, you're, you're, you're going to be watching major league baseball and minor league baseball. What is the difference in in quality? Uh, because again, I can see it visually, but I don't. I can't pinpoint the difference between high A and double A or even triple A. What are those differences when it comes to p- pitchers and batters that you're like, okay, this person, this guy, he needs to go up to the next level. 
Yeah, it's an interesting question. It's funny that you talk about low A being like the play was it was too subpar and you needed to move up because I, I spend so much time watching high school games uh, on the occasion where I do go watch a low A game. I'm like, man, these guys are just so good. They're so good at baseball. So it's just funny to uh, to actually see those differences. And, and to your point, I think um, there is a lot of separation in skills, I would say, in the minor league ladder, um, you, you're you're going to see major league tools at whatever level of the minor leagues you're at. I think the biggest separator as you progress up throughout the minors is the honing of of those skills and making those tools, allowing them to translate more consistently um, to the game. Um, I would imagine that again, I spend most of my time watching high school and college, but I would imagine and just talking with our prospect team, talking with scouts as we do handbook chapters. Um, for instance, I cover the Braves, so, so I cover a little bit of their minor league system. You'll have guys that that have great stuff. They throw upper 90s, they've got great breaking ball, but maybe they really can't control that pitch. And because they're not throwing strikes, it's going to prevent them from moving up and having success or just moving up in general. So as you get to those higher levels, you're going to you're going to see the those tools and that pure stuff be more actionable and more replicable in the games. Uh, I think from a hitting perspective, it's it's kind of the same thing. Um, the defensive efficiency of players gets better as you move up. If, if you're not if you're not making the routine plays at lower levels, unless you're just absolutely mashing offensively, you're really going to stagnate at the lower levels and you're going to get passed by. So I think just the skills of the game, uh, the speed of the game uh, seems to consistently improve, um, especially defensively. Sometimes you'll I'll be watching like just high school play, for instance, and the the plays that don't get made for a high school game that are almost routine for even like high A players versus double A players. It's, it's kind of shocking at times. So I think it's good to consistently see the entirety of the player development scale. So you can kind of see, okay, I, I really have gotten used to watching these high school players for the last three, four months over the summer. And now I've kind of lost track of what's a real standout tool or, or what is a real plus defense. So seeing the major league game, seeing those triple A players who have really, uh, improved in in what they're doing every day um, is very helpful just to to kind of get the full picture of it. But I think in general, you're always going to see people who throw hard. You're always going to see people who have tons of raw power. Um, it's just those finer skills. And, and that's really what maybe separates baseball compared to some of these other sports I was talking about previously. It's, it's a very much a skill dominant sport where some others are maybe lean towards more like athleticism dominant. Um, I don't think you have to necessarily be a great athlete to be a great baseball player. Uh, the superstars are just the players who do both. I actually like that you you made all you almost made an analogy there of almost like cleansing your palate. Whether it's you like to drink some wine, you like you like certain foods. Sometimes you have to have the McDonald's hamburger to enjoy some organic Angus beef fed from Montana one or fish. Absolutely. You know it, it, that's really good. Obviously, your your ten dollar wine at Costco versus going to pay eighty dollars. So I, I like that. You, you can get mentioned. jaded really quickly if you're only eating those fine steaks and all exactly. of a sudden you get just a really good one. You're like, oh, this is terrible. Well, there's a whole there's a whole category below that that you just have not been getting into lately. So, so that, because you said that, I'm going to stick to watching occasionally high A ball and as opposed to completely giving up. Because <laughs> then you go you because you're going from major, you're watching major league baseball players to three or four level three levels down, and it's uh, it, it's jarring. But you had mentioned you cover for the Atlanta Braves. For baseball america and i know prior to working for baseball america you were in the i don't want to say working for the braves but you're like in the atlanta braves world 
describe to us how you even came into this because i when i talk to baseball people i'm like you guys have the best job like you're watching baseball and you get paid for it and you i'm thinking i'm sure you enjoy it how did that start with uh the braves and also focusing on prospects yeah it's definitely an awesome job i i certainly enjoy it um but to your main point um i think i got involved in writing about baseball because of the braves like most people who grow up in the South, I grew up in North Carolina. Um, so you just kind of adopt Braves fandom unless you maybe have strong ties through a family member to another team. Uh, that that wasn't the case for me. So the Braves were constantly on TBS. Uh, so naturally, I became a Braves fan once I was in high school. Uh, I played baseball my whole life, realized that probably wasn't going to make a career out of it on the playing field. Uh, but I like to write. And so I decided I would try and kind of marry those two interests together and see if I could make anything out of it. So when I was in high school, I just started blogging about the Braves back when blogs were popular and everyone had one. Um, so I started doing that. Then I started writing for some uh, some different sites, Tomahawk Take and uh, Battery Power, which was previously Talking Chop when I was involved with them. I uh, got to write for some of those those sites, uh, continued kind of honing my craft as a writer. Then I went to college um, and started working for the student newspaper there, covering a, a whole different set of sports. Um, but in college, I actually got to do an internship with MLB.com for two summers. The first summer, I believe it was in 2015, was actually with the Braves. So basically my job, the entirety of that summer was to basically be Mark Bowman, uh, who's the, the beat reporter for MLB.com covering the Braves. I was basically just his assistant the whole time. And that internship, which I actually don't think it exists anymore, which is unfortunate, uh, but it was a fantastic opportunity because you basically just go in and you are a beat writer for the team. You, you don't do a whole lot of cliched intern work. There's not a lot of grunt work. You're there watching games, going to the locker room, talking to players, writing stories regularly. Um, so that's really kind of how I've been in in the Braves fandom, I guess, uh, and through those years covering the Braves, writing about them, talking about them online. I think I've built up a decent following of Braves specific fans who just are passionate about the game. And I think the Braves, especially now that I'm here with Baseball America and you have kind of feel for all of the fandoms in baseball, uh, the Braves are a super passionate fan base. I think the the fact that their region is so large, they have such a such a just a big population of fans in general. And then prior to this big major league streak, they got really into the farm system because they were going through a rebuild. The farm was really good. The major league team is not that good. Uh, and so I think a lot of people got really into prospects from a Braves perspective. And uh, this will be my second or third year doing the Braves handbook chapter for our prospect handbook, which is a, a book we put out every year going through the top 40 now prospects for every team. So I'm responsible for that. So I still have a little bit of Brave specific content, but mostly now I'm focused on the draft and, and really covering prospects for, for all 30 teams and, and a bunch of amateur players. So that's kind of, I guess, my path towards Baseball America and how I've been involved in, in the Braves sphere as well. I do remember when you... I, I when you were when you joined Baseball America, the guys over at Talking Chop, which it said now is called uh, Battery Power, is I remember they were like celebrating, and I was like, "That's awesome that you know someone who was affiliated with Talking Chop is now with Baseball America, which is a really big deal." And I don't, I'm not saying this because you're you're here in front of us. I've said this very soundly in the podcast. I think Baseball America have the best podcast feed. I know you guys have, you know, you guys have one specifically on college, and then you have other ones like with like uh, the uh, playoffs with like JJ Cooper and Jeff and everything you guys do. I just listen to it, and you genuinely have, I think, the best baseball podcast. And obviously, you also 
contribute to the occasional podcast when 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 your job comes up with that being a podcast co-host writing what are the differences and some some similarities that you find when you have to create a report or like you said a chapter versus okay now i actually have to talk about this i can't just rely on writing or blogging as you used to many years ago what what are those uh, differences and what are the what are the what do you enjoy and what you don't enjoy between each one yeah, well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. Uh, we appreciate that. I think the guys who, who do the regular BA podcast are, are really good. And uh, me and Ben Badler, we started a, a podcast called Future Projection. Uh, it's been on a bit of a hiatus lately. He he had a newborn child recently. So hopefully next year uh, we'll get back on a, a regular schedule. But uh, no, podcasting is, is a lot of fun. I think those two mediums are very different and there are, there are different pros and cons that come with them. I think for me, writing is still the most natural uh, medium for me to to even think like I I feel like I can be so much more clear and detailed and in depth about whatever I'm talking about and in the written form allows you to I mean you're editing while you're writing so you're you're kind of re kind of refining your thought process as you're creating whatever you're creating podcasting is obviously you're doing it live so it's whatever's in your head uh, is coming out I think podcasting has has clearly just been a massive medium for for everyone and consuming content for for all kinds of different topics. I think there is still room for us to improve how we distribute the content we do on the website and the magazine in the podcast format because it just it's so accessible to people, right? You can you can be listening to me and Ben break down a player while you're doing the dishes, while you're getting some exercise, while you're in your commute uh, if people are still doing those after the pandemic. So in that way, you can get similar information out uh, and kind of promote your brand and what we're doing at BA uh, in, a, in a way that's much more convenient for listeners and hopefully expands your audience, um, because I do think just audio is just so accessible to everyone. Um, and then with the written format, the, the reason I still prefer it is because of that depth and because of like if, if I were to talk about a player for five or 10 minutes on a podcast versus take the time to write a scouting report or write an article about the player and what's changed. I, I would think that I would give you better information, more detailed information in the written format, just because I have that editing process. But also, I mean, people have people have a lot of different things they want to do. And, and for someone to sit down and take the time to read something these days, when you have TikTok on your phone, Instagram, YouTube, Netflix, there's a whole lot of things you can't you can't exactly read Baseball America, the magazine or the website while you're driving in your car or while you're exercising or doing the dishes or cooking. So uh, I just think there are two different mediums that have their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I enjoy both. I think it's it's fun just to have a conversation about baseball. And that's really what our podcasts are. And I think me and Ben specifically with our podcast, we definitely wanted it to have a conversational tone and just hop on and talk about baseball like we do every day in our Slack. But to where everyone else can kind of participate as a listener. So um, they're good. I think I'm, I'm excited about, about both mediums and and really getting back onto the podcast uh, schedule and, and doing that regularly. I think you were describing me when you said, when you cook, when you do the dishes, even when you're working, like when I'm writing reports at work, I, that's all I do. The way people like to stream shows on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, whatever, 
I don't do any of that stuff. I just listen to podcasts like j- seriously, like eight to 10 hours a day. And then obviously then I stop because then you want to hear some music or not hear anything at all. Exactly. I and, love podcasts. And, and I feel like there is some work that, that I can even do at times or where it's data entry or updating bio info right. in a database. Like that's, that's fairly mind numbing and you can kind of have something else in your ears while you're still being productive. Um, when I'm writing, I obviously can't listen to it. I don't know if it's the same for you, but like if I'm doing any kind of like creative work, it's very hard to listen to a podcast. So in that, in that case, I would rather have some like instrumental music or some kind of calming music in the background. But yeah, if, if I'm doing anything where I'm just updating Excel or honestly just more mind numbing work, um, podcasts are fantastic for that. Yep. And, and I think there are plenty of people just like you who, who are listening to podcasts throughout the day. It's just, it's just very easy to, to kind of get in the ears of people, which is yep. great. I completely agree with you with that. It, for me, it's when I'm trying to, when I have to do creative work, I can't, I, I prefer silence, but what I do is I listen to music I listen to like music for like 15, 20, 30 minutes before to get me in the mood. And I don't need Kinda to get be you hearing, in that flow state. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to be hearing like crazy nineties techno <laughs> or like angry <laughs> hip hop. I just need something like, like, okay. I'll be, what I listen to is like eighties dad rock. I, I'm not a dad, okay. but I just love eighties music. And it's just like that, like just typical. What are your, what are your go-to bands? Cause um, Matt Eddie at baseball America is a huge uh, classic rock guy. Oof. I think, I think seventies, I think actually eighties might be his decade. Yeah, I'll have I, to check I, back with him. I love the hit songs of Huey Lewis in the news. Okay. I love uh, listening to songs from Cinderella, Rat, like very glam rock, or mm-hmm. even what? Not Elton John. I'm sorry, Phil Collins. Like he yeah. had so many '80s hits. It's insane. Love George Michael. I mean, it's just, it's just, I love all those songs. So that makes me like happy. But mm-hmm. it doesn't. I don't. I can't be listening to classical music as like you know when you have a newborn. Everyone's like, oh, play the newborn Beethoven <laughs> or whatever. It's like, but if I'm not a newborn, but if I listen to that, I'll be too relaxed to be actually be mm-hmm. creative. So gotcha. I agree with you. Yeah, when you're doing, when you have to be creative, when you have to write a document or edit, like you, you can't be listening to music mm-hmm. or maybe even podcast. Yeah, you had no doubt. We have Carlos Colazo here, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this. I what I'm not going to ask you is who are the top prospects in baseball? Because number one, that's boring, and number two, that's easy Google search. Because well, we I hope it's not too boring. Because oh, that, no, no, that, no. Is, that is part of our business model. No, no I, I mean it that saying, way. Yeah, I'm like, no, I want no, to, I want to uh, have the most valuable time with you. Where, yeah, yeah, we could easily talk about uh, jer- uh, jerks, and churia, uh, churios. The Churia, Jackson Churia, Churia? yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah. the young stud in the Milwaukee mm-hmm. Brewers organization, or Gunnar Henderson, another up and coming potential star with the Baltimore Orioles mm-hmm. organization. But beyond these, those star guys who are almost almost can't miss. What are like some wild card guys that you've been seeing that you're coming out of college or like you know what this guy may not go in the first day of the draft, but mm-hmm. there are tools there that can boost this guy in a couple of years if he's if he's drafted into the right organization are you so you're referring to like current year draft prospects who maybe are are not the dylan cruz and the chase dolanders yep. of the world or even a someone who is in low a it maybe was drafted a year or two and it's like you know what like they're being they there's something there yeah that's a good one i think on the draft I'll, I'll just go to the draft side because i've been focused on that lately i'm just kind of scrolling down our list and seeing if there are any guys who jump out at me there is a name that i, I think i'll just throw out here because i don't think he's a household name on the draft side now, but it's Rock Chalowski, who is a high school shortstop um, in Arizona currently. I got to see him a little bit this past summer. He's also a two-way player, really talented high school quarterback. 
Um, but he is just a really impressive defensive shortstop, great footwork out there in the field, made all of the plays and was silky smooth while he was doing it. I didn't get to see him hit as much as some of the other prospects who are probably or likely day one uh, targets at this point, just because he was doing different football events and he wasn't at as many showcase events as, as most of the players on the circuit. But I think the swing is really good. I think he's got some power potential as well. So he's a really well-rounded player, I would say, who, who's been impressive over the years. And I like in terms of pro guys right now, there's not an obvious one that comes to mind for me. Uh, let me just scroll through our, our top 100 here, see if there's anyone like further down the list who I particularly like. I mean, James Wood probably will be a household name soon. If he isn't now, he's on the Nationals uh, prospect list that he actually was part just, of the the trade with the San Diego Padres, correct? Yes, he was one of the one of the big right. prospects that went back in the massive Juan Soto trade. I mean, the top of the national system right now is just crazy is, uh, with a is, lot of. Is James Wood the six foot seven guy? Yeah, I don't know if he's exactly six foot, but yeah, yeah like we have him listed as six foot seven. Tall. Yeah, he's okay. he's huge. Yeah. He went to the same high school that Elijah Green went to, and it's kind of cool to see them both in the same system now. Um, but Wood was a guy who hit really well in the showcase circuit in high school prior to his draft year. And then during his draft spring season with IMG Academy, which faces really good competition in Florida, he really struggled, um, swung and missed a decent bit. There were worries that the levers were too long, that he wasn't going to hit enough, but he has massive raw power. Uh, and the adjustments that he made in his first year in pro ball were pretty significant and impressive. I think he he probably is going to be in top 20 status next year for us once we update our top 100 i would i would be surprised if he wasn't somewhere in that range or higher so he's a guy that you definitely should be aware of if you aren't already um just kind of scrolling further down the list to see if there are any other guys who who stand out to me um i mean jackson merrill is maybe the biggest helium guy lately he had a fantastic arizona fall league he's probably going to be the padres top prospect this year after trading away all of those players so the Padres don't have a fantastic farm right now, but I think he's another player who you can get really excited about. Really well-rounded, above-average hitting hitting ability, above-average power potential. Um, maybe not a fantastic defender, but he's got a chance to play um, a middle infield position. And he was maybe one of the better prospects in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, so he'd be another name that i just throw out, kind of looking uh, at our right. current list right now. The first player you mentioned was a shortstop from Arizona. And I, again, I listen to a lot of baseball podcasts and I've noticed a pattern of if the podcaster who likes baseball is from the South, there's always a love of they have the favorite baseball team and they love the school that they went to, whether it's like the ACC or mm -hmm. SEC. Are you the same? Do you have a big time love for maybe you're like your alma mater or? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I went to UNC. Um, I graduated in 2016. And obviously, North Carolina is much more of a basketball school than, right. a, than a football school or a baseball school. Um, but they're solid at all three of those sports. And I think at this point, because uh, I, I cover baseball professionally, and it's hard to be a fan of any specific team. At this point, I feel like I root for for players who I've had good interactions with or people who I know in the game with various teams more than like teams themselves. But the UNC basketball team is is probably the the one last fandom that I really have. Mm. And if they lose a game, my night is pretty much ruined and I'm following them consistently and I'm constantly checking on the Duke scores and pulling on them to lose. So definitely um, I'm invested still in UNC basketball and just the UNC Duke rivalry in general. Um, one of my one of my good friends is a, a Duke fan. And after we beat them 
I think Coach K's last game at home and then beat them in the semifinals of the NCAA tournament. I, I think I earned bragging rights for the rest of our lives after that one. So th- that's kind of how I keep up with with my alma mater. It's definitely not not a not a football fandom or not a specific. It's very hard to have a specific baseball fandom, I think, when you're covering right. uh, the sport professionally. But it does seem like the South goes crazy for college athletics. Much, I mean, even Atlanta, in some ways, feels like more of a University of Georgia town than than a Braves town or a Hawks town or whatever the certainly not a Falcons town at this point but yeah the South and and their college athletics is a little bit different okay I, w- I was thinking when you were describing the shortstop what's the shortstop's name from Arizona uh Rock Chalowski Rock Chalowski of uh, I was like I wonder if Carlos thinks he's actually going to be drafted or since he's a quarterback he may get a scholarship to I don't know University of Arizona USC or something he's and committed I, and to UCLA like, yeah oh, okay yeah and I was like well <laughs> then maybe maybe Carlos also loves a college, college <laughs> football that that's where I, that's where I was thinking you know, we have seen a few really good two-way players who who were stand. I mean, Kyler Murray is probably the best example of right. a guy that we we covered as a baseball prospect. We were a lot lower on him um, as a baseball prospect than maybe some other outlets just because of that risk. Um, but one of the other ones, uh, Jerry and Ely was one. And then Justin Fields, I think I also got to see. I remember the first time I saw Justin Fields on the baseball field. I'm clearly not tuned into the football recruiting because he was like the top quarterback recruiting the country at this point, I believe. And I was like, Oh, who is this guy? And someone looked at me and was like, what, what are you talking about? But he didn't stand out on the baseball field to the extent that some of these other guys do, but it is fun to see these two way athletes um, do things on the baseball field. I wish we could get more to pursue baseball at the next levels, but with the way the call, the scholarship situation works in college, uh, it's completely understandable that that players are going towards football and basketball. Yeah. It's, it, it's a shame, but that's, we can develop, we can develop, we can devote another, I mean, a podcast series on college Could, baseball yeah. and the under and the under investment in the college air yeah, coach ho- student hopefully, athlete. Hopefully, we can change that soon. We'll see. But I, I want to be respectful of your time. And if uh, you mentioned earlier that you had one of your starts was obviously you on yourself went to went to started a blog focusing on the Atlanta Braves, and then through school and the work you've done, obviously you managed to get the internship with Major League Baseball. What advice would you give to a youngster or even someone else who's in a career? They're like, I love baseball so much. I want to pivot to that. And I want to focus on the the future of America, of America, the future of baseball, America, the future of baseball. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue something in your subgenre of being a prospect analyzer or just writing about it? Yeah, if you I, I think you could give a couple of pieces of advice, depending on on what you're pursuing. If you are pursuing more of the media space kind of content creation writing, I think the most important thing that you can do is, is just develop a track record as a writer, get those reps writing, because if you're applying for a job where the bulk of what you're going to be doing is writing and reporting, it's a lot easier to get opportunities. If you can point to a body of work, whether that's your own personal blog, whether that's various websites that you've been able to freelance for or write for part-time or full-time, whatever capacity you can. I think the the beauty of the internet obviously is you can, put out work. I think the the most important thing is to, if you're trying to get into prospects specifically, watch as many games as you can. Um, If you can go to games, great. But if not, you can still do a lot just watching online and writing. I think writing, developing writing skills are probably the most important for, for our space specifically. Reporting skills, those are harder to develop if you're outside of the industry. But I think that's something that you could also work on as well. I think writing and reporting are the two biggest skills that that are valued in in a job like like baseball america 
So go to games if you can, watch as much as you can and and write and write for an audience. Uh, writing for an audience is a lot different than just writing for yourself. Um, when you can get feedback from readers or people who are going to comment, or if you're writing for a site that has editors, like that feedback loop and improving your writing is immensely valuable. Um, so those are some tips I would give for people who are maybe interested in writing. If you're if you're just interested in prospects in general, and maybe you want to work for a team, maybe you want to be a scout, um, you're being paid in that capacity as an evaluator. So you have to start practicing watching games, not as a fan of the sport, but as someone who is watching a player critically, um, looking at how a player moves, how a player's swing works, um, how the stuff comes out of a pitcher's and how the delivery works. When the ball is hit, you're not watching the ball. You're looking at the fielder to see what kind of a jump he gets on the ball. So if that's what you want to do, you should be going to games as much as possible. Um, Scouts are fantastic um, in my experience. So trying to make connections with those scouts, if you're going to games and you see them, obviously having good feel and knowing that they have a job that they're doing, not just coming up and asking them a million questions um, when they don't even know who you are. But if you can... um, meet some scouts who are doing it and maybe learn from them, ask questions. And in my experience, and obviously working with Baseball America, uh, it certainly helps to make those connections. But in my experience, scouts love to talk about baseball. They got into it um, because of the same reason that that you might be thinking about getting into baseball. You just love the sport. You love the game. Maybe you played, maybe you didn't play, but either way, we all love the game. Um, and then in general, I think regardless of if you want to be a writer or if you want to be a scout, Um, I think just working hard, staying humble, having a growth mindset. There are obviously a lot of egos in baseball, um, like probably any other industry, but I think just working consistently hard. I mean, you have to in this industry because there are so many people who would love to make a job um, in baseball because it just sounds like everyone wants to. It sounds fun. It sounds great. And it is. Um, But you have to work hard because everyone else is going to be working hard as well to do that. And I think actually Jeff Pont, who you mentioned previously, is a good kind of case study in this, because unlike me, who who kind of lucked into this job right out of college, and I've really only ever worked in baseball, Jeff had a real job. I think he was in sales um, and he loved baseball. So he started his own website, Prospects Live, and just wrote constantly. And it was really good work. He went to games, he met people, he learned about the game. He's extremely savvy. So he kind of did all of the things that I'm preaching that, that people should be doing and you don't necessarily have to make an entire website um, and, and hire staff like like Jeff did uh, because Jeff's crazy. But I think just showing that that you're interested, you're putting in the work, you're trying to learn, you're trying to improve uh, as a writer, as an evaluator. Um, those would be the the obvious steps um, because there are plenty of people who are constantly trying to get into this industry, and they're all doing that as well. So I think those are some maybe some basic uh, tips that hopefully can help someone out if they're trying to uh, to get into That's- this business. That's definitely very good and detailed as well. And as we're as we get into my favorite question of I always like to to spotlight like local places and where's a good local place for you that you can get maybe a good coffee, maybe a drink or a restaurant in your area, or is where you now in the greater Washington, DC area? Where's a place that you like just to go to? Like, I know I can go there anytime. I'm gonna get good service and it's gonna be good. Yeah, I'm probably not the best person to answer this because we just recently moved to Northern Virginia. Uh, so we're still getting a feel for it. Um, we've been here since late May, I believe. Um, but there are a couple of places that I want to mention. Uh, there, there's this one restaurant called High Side in Fairfax. That's Asian food. There, there's a lot of really good Asian restaurants Absolutely. around here. Um, that one is fantastic, I would say. 
Another one that I really liked is called Ruthie's All Day. I think there's a couple. The one that I went to is in Arlington and it's like, it's a brunch place, but it has one of the best fried chicken uh, biscuits that I've ever had. And I, I was kind of impressed because Virginia feels like it's almost half a Southern state and half not a Southern state. Like even at this restaurant, I've been, to, I've been to it twice. And one time I, I ordered sweet tea and it was no problem. The next time I came and ordered it and they said, oh, we don't do sweet tea here. So I'm trying to feel that out still, but it was still a fantastic biscuit. And then in terms of drinks, there are a couple of places I've been to in D.C. that I thought were good. I, again, I'm still kind of learning the area and I haven't been to a ton of different places. But there's a brewery called Blue Jacket in Navy Yard that is walkable to the park. Um, and we've gone here several times. Honestly, we went here, I think, because their food is amazing. Park. There's a good oh, I have, food is I've, amazing. Okay, I'm glad you've been because we honestly went because there was easy parking nearby and we we're going to park and walk yeah. to the to the park. And we we're like, oh, this place looks good. Went to it and it was fantastic. They had some cool beer there. I'm not like a massive beer person. Like my favorite beer is Blue Moon, which depending on 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 your beer taste, maybe that is uh maybe that's a lame, massive like beer. But um, I, I tried a couple of their different beers that were not uh, massively produced. I don't believe and they were good. The food's good. Uh, and then the other day, I actually went to my first Wizards game here with a buddy, and we went to a bar near Capital One Arena called Jackpot um, that had some pretty good beer as well, and that was a, a fun scene. So those are some that I've been to so far that I think are good, and I would I would definitely recommend and, and want to go to again myself. So I can definitely, depending on what you like for food, I can definitely send you send you along some recommendations for Fantastic. the DC area. I'd be happy to. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. We'll have to uh, we'll have to break that down after the pod. Absolutely, hey, Carlos. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciated speaking with you and your time. And if you want to lead us away to share with everyone where they can find you on social media and obviously Baseball America books. Yeah, uh, I would just say the best place to to keep up with my work is baseballamerica.com. Anything I write goes up there. We uh we have subscribers, so we're a subscriber website. We have been as long as the website's really been around. So we really appreciate everyone who really allows us to do the work that we do. Because without our subscribers, uh, I wouldn't be here watching baseball full time. So really appreciate that. And on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at Carlos A Colazzo. Uh, and then one last plug would be the Future Projection Podcast. Like I said, we're currently in a hiatus, but hopefully, uh, very shortly after the new year comes around, we'll be back on a weekly schedule. Um, so those are the main places I would I would say if you want to follow um, what I'm what I'm writing about, what I'm talking about, th those places right there. I want to thank Carlos Colazzo for joining us this week. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I know I did. I also want to thank a few new listeners from Winnipeg, Canada, Colchester, England, Karlsheim, Deutschland, Germany, Kreilsheim, Germany. Excuse me, I am terrible, as you already know. If you're a frequent listener, I cannot pronounce German. Kreilsheim, Germany. Ancona, Italia. Ancona, Italy. Fairfield, Ohio. And some town or city called Goldsboro, whether it's in North Carolina, whether it's in Maryland, whether you listen to it from both states. I don't know, but I do know. Thank you. And you know what? Let's get together soon for a brand new episode of HPP. Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.